Hey guys, how's it going? Pastor Carl here. Um, just want to welcome you to our online service this weekend. Um, we're blessed to have you tuning in and watching us, just trying to give you guys some hope in the times of chaos that we're in. Just want you to know, we're totally praying for every one of you guys out there. A lot of you that we do know through the prayer request by name, we're praying for you by name. Um, and those of you that we don't know, we're praying for the whole world, the community. These are just crazy times, and I know it can be hard, and so we just stand with you. We know what it's like. We're feeling it the same as you do. Um, so anyways, I got a good word for you guys. We're going to finish up our series on changing the world. The series has been called Change the World. It's the last one tonight. And so um, what I would encourage you to do is get comfortable, get some snacks. I know that this is a different setting for how you normally do church. This um, may be the only time you get to come to church in your underwear. So enjoy that because that's going to be fun tonight or today or wherever you're watching us from. But let's get into the word tonight. We got a good one for you guys. Um, in this series, we've been talking about how God uses ordinary people to accomplish great change in the world if we just set our minds about doing what God has called us to do. So we're talking about the story of Nehemiah. There's a book of Nehemiah in the Bible, and it's him telling his own story. And the reality of Nehemiah is that he was a guy that was an ordinary person. He was a cup bearer, meaning he tasted the wine for a foreign king all the way over there in Persia, about a thousand miles away from his people, the Jews, in the city of Jerusalem, in the land of Judah. And he's working for this king, and his job was to taste the wine to make sure it wasn't poison, but he's just a normal guy, kind of expendable. If the wine was poisoned, he was dead. So he was an expendable guy, but he saw a need. He had heard word from his brother that his countrymen, his fellow Jews, back in Jerusalem, that their city had been demolished. They had rebuilt their temple, but the walls around the city were just completely rubble. So they were left open to attack and persecution and people coming along and looting them. They had no more identity, no strength. And so Nehemiah was just a normal guy that saw a need and he said, that wall needs to be rebuilt. So I'm gonna go do something about it. And this is where we kind of pick up this story is that he said, somebody should do something about that. And he just decided it might as well be me. And that's kind of the story for all of us, that we would see a need around us. And there's a lot of needs right now. Let's be honest, the whole world is in need right now. At the very least, hope, and that we're called to be bringers of hope as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we would see the needs around us, and we would say, I'm not going to leave this for somebody else. It might as well be me, God. What can I do to change my world? And so what we're going to look at tonight is this story of Nehemiah, the guy that was about a thousand miles away in Persia at work, and he saw this need back home in Jerusalem, and he decided, I'm going to do something about it. So what he did as he traveled all the way 800, 1,000 miles away, went back home, showed up and said, I'm here, I'm gonna do something. He rallied all of his countrymen, his fellow Jews. He got them to work. They began to rebuild the walls to this city. And it was an amazing work and they were almost done. And what happens as often happens in our own lives is when we're trying to accomplish something really good for God, something that is gonna really impact and change the world for good, there's a very real enemy that's out there, the devil, and he's against us and he's trying to slow down our work and he will use any means necessary to lead us away from the things of God. So there was enemies in the surrounding nations in the area where Nehemiah and the Jewish people were trying to rebuild this wall. And so we're gonna pick up the story here today with some of Nehemiah's and the Jewish people's enemies trying to bring opposition. And the title of the message tonight is to finish strong. We're working hard at something God called us to do, wherever you might be in life right now, something that God said, I want you to do this. And here's kind of a little bit of an inspiration. I'm hoping that you guys would get inspired to finish strong whatever God's called you to do. Let's pick up the story in Nehemiah 6.1. It says, 
Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So these guys, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, they're all enemies of the Jewish people. They thought that they were going to rise up and try to make their own king and take over. And they were trying to uh, oppose all that Nehemiah was trying to do. And it says that they were almost finished. The wall was almost completely set up. And there's a lesson in that for us is sometimes the closer we get to accomplishing something for God, the harder the opposition is going to be. Is that when we step up and we're trying to change the world around us, the enemy is going to give that final last push. And that's the moment that we have to decide, are we going to give up? Or are we going to press in? And are we going to finish strong? And so remember with the harder the fight, the, the, the stronger the fighter and the warrior inside of us that we need to be because we've got God on our side. And this is where um, Nehemiah has to make this decision. Are we gonna give up and give in? Or are we gonna fight? It reminds me of something really quickly this week we, um, I've been struggling with. There's something that I set out to do that God called me to do. A couple weeks ago, we gave our entire church these with Aloha bags. Everybody in the church got one. And basically the whole idea behind this with Aloha bag is that we would pray on a need that we see in the world around us, in our community, our neighborhood, our families. And we just pray on it. And we say, God, what do you want me to do about it? I mean, then God, how do you want me to resource this need? And that we would pray on what we could fill this with, whether it's groceries, whether it's tools, whether it's clothes, whether it's a coupon book for, for free babysitting or whatever you could think of, we decided we're gonna go bless the world around us and we're gonna pray on who we're gonna give it to. And we're just gonna make an actual impact in this world around us. Well, I was praying on this thing for a while. And where I live um, down in the, the, the hood in Kanyoi, there's kind of this, this park that's right next to my place. And there's a bunch of people that kind of frequent the area and they live there part-time, some homeless people down on their luck. And God gave me a heart for them. And so I was praying, what should I do? Lord, what are you calling me to do to help change? I can't change the whole world, but I can change their world by hooking them up with something in here. So I began to pray. I actually went shopping at the store, grabbed some items, got some things um, in my cupboards and things that I'm thinking that would help them, that would bless their life and, and maybe start a relationship. But as I was doing that and I was praying on that, I was getting ready. I even had some of the bags packed at home is then what happened was uh, the people disappeared. The whole shelter in place thing came into play and everybody was staying in your homes and they, they closed down the park and they surrounded it with safety tape and all this. And now suddenly it's like, I had these plans. I was ready to do something good. And then my plans got disrupted because of COVID-19. And basically now I was at the position where do I keep going for it? Go after the mission God called me to do to find these people or uh, it's too hard. It's going to be too inconvenient for me. And what I just decided and what I want to encourage you today is I said, I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish what I started. God gave me this thing to do and I'm going to go after it. So whatever's going on in your life today, I'm praying that if God calls you to fight, then finish strong and go down swinging. Like don't give up. Like even right now, everything's scary. What are you, you going to tell your grandkids someday when they ask about, Grandpa, did you live through the coronavirus? Are you going to tell them that you were scared? I don't want to tell my, my grandkids, yeah, I, was, I remember that. That was scary. I was worried. I hid. I stayed indoors. I just kept to myself. I, I hermited away with my toilet paper, and I didn't want to get out there. Or am I going to be able to tell them, yeah, you know what? It was tough times, but, but Jesus in me was greater, and I shined the light greater than I did in normal circumstances. And I fought hard and I finished well and I blessed the world around me. So hopefully that's a word for you today as we go through Nehemiah. I wanna give you a couple concepts here, a couple things about how to fight hard 
and how to finish strong. And let's realize it is a spiritual warfare. It is a real fight they were up against that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against real spiritual forces that are out there trying to prevent us from doing good in this world. You can read about that in Ephesians 6. But let me give you something that we learned from Nehemiah, first of all, when you're trying to fight hard and finish strong. And you can take this notes down in your app or if you're writing it down or mental note. Number one is this. You want to finish strong? Don't get distracted. Real simple. Look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 2. Talks about his enemies. Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. They're busy working on the wall, trying to rebuild, and they get this little distraction coming by their enemies saying, hey, we want to set up a meeting. Come and meet us over here. Stop working. Come meet us in the plain of Ono. All this was was a distraction. Here's a good concept and a thought to take down is be careful because small distractions can become big distractions. In your life, something that seems harmless and and meaningless, a small distraction can become a meaningful, large, giant, big distraction. Sometimes the minor stuff can become the major stuff. Sometimes the thing that you think is so, so small and so, so, so meaningless can actually become something really big and harmful in your life. I like that they were asking him to meet at the plain of Ono. Because for Hawaii people, we, we like that word Ono. It's not just the name of a fish. But if you know in the Hawaiian language, what does the word Ono mean? It means delicious. It means tasty. It means something that is good. And it kind of reminds me of something, how sometimes something delicious can be deadly. Let me give you a little instance that happened to me the other day. My daughter had her birthday party, and we had an amazing chocolate jalapeno pie. And it was a creamy one, and it had a lot of dairy in it, and it looked really good. And alongside of that, I had a couple scoops of ice cream, and it was a delicious, delicious treat. And I enjoyed that ice cream and that jalapeno pie, and... It turned out to be deadly because I forgot that I'm lactose intolerant. So needless to say, it was a bit of a gassy night. I drove home with the windows open. It was a terrible. Sometimes delicious can be deadly. Sometimes a small distraction can be a big distraction. And these enemies were trying to throw Nehemiah off his game and say, stop working on the wall. Come meet with us at the plain of Ono. Look at uh, verse 2 and 3, Nehemiah 6. It says, but I realized that they were plotting to harm me. They were just trying to distract me. They are trying to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? In other words, for your life, sometimes you're doing a great work, so why should I stop? Sorry, I'm doing a great work for God. Why should I stop? Maybe you're home right now with uh, the coronavirus scare and you're indoors and you're working on building better family relationships because you got this time on your hands. They're home from school. You're home from work and you're going, here's my great work. I'm gonna build stronger relationships with my wife and my kids. And it could be that you get the small distraction temptation to just start scrolling through social media. That you're just like, well, it's not a bad thing. It's just minor. I'm just checking up on where everybody's at. And you find yourself hours later being distracted and isolating yourself from the relationship with your kids and your wife or your spouse or your husband, whatever, that you've been trying to build. So I'm just telling you this, this concept is Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work, why should I stop? Look, just because you could doesn't mean you should. That was for somebody here today, probably you right there on the couch in your underwear, that was a word for you. But here's the second thing in, in Nehemiah that we see today in this story is not only should you not get distracted if you want to finish strong, secondly is this, don't get intimidated. Don't get intimidated 
The enemy's gonna try to throw people and things at you to intimidate you. Number one, one of the things that he might do is he might try to fight you with rumors and gossip and lies about yourself. Get you to believe things that aren't true so it'll knock you off your game, make you feel guilty, make you feel worthless or invaluable. He's gonna try to throw stuff at you. So what you do to not get intimidated is you gotta stand on the truth. Just remind yourself of what's really true in the situation that you're in. Don't let people or circumstances lie to you and try to throw you off. In Nehemiah 6, verse five, it says that this time the enemies tried to get at him with intimidation, with lies. It says the fifth time Sambalat's servants came with an open letter. They've been coming time and time again trying to throw him off and distract him. They came with an open letter, meaning it's kind of an open letter, public knowledge for everybody to see. They're like trying to make a public thing about this. And they're saying, with this letter in hand, it's, and this is what the letter said, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations and Geshem tells me that it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel and that you are building the wall. That is why you're building that wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there's a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. In other words, they're trying to lie. They're trying to make like he's got ulterior motives. He's just trying to build a wall for his people to have identity, to have strength. And they're trying to say, no, you're in rebellion. You want to be the king. You're getting all these prophets to lie about you. And this is how Nehemiah simply replies to rumors, to gossip, and lies. Listen to this lesson for us. Look at what Nehemiah says in verse eight. I replied, There's no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. In essence, Nehemiah just said, you know what? I'm not gonna try to defend myself. I don't have a lengthy argument. I don't need to defend my name. Look, here's the deal. It's not true. I'm gonna stand on the truth. Now everybody, let's just get back to work. Is that he didn't didn't believe any of the gossip and the lies. And one of the things I found for myself that works really good is that, that maybe this is a lesson for you. Just Preach truth to yourself. Sometimes you gotta preach to yourself. I'm a preacher. I love to preach to people. I love to give messages to other people. But there's been times in my life, I've had a couple personal seasons in my life that have been really, really rough. Things with my pastoral transition when I became lead pastor, some other things in my personal family life that have lately been pretty shaky. And in the midst of it, it's weird. But people love to give their opinions and they love to make assumptions and they love to make up lies and gossip and rumors. And it comes with the territory and I'm not afraid of it, but it does get to you. It does kind of allow the enemy to intimidate you and to believe things that, that aren't true. And there was emails that were said and floated out to me, anonymous emails and, and gossip and lies and slander and, and people saying things and rumors and all of this. And at some point I had to just stop and go, wait, hold on. I gotta preach myself happy. I gotta preach truth to myself. Wait, I know who God's called me to be. I know I haven't done anything wrong. I know that my life lines up in integrity with God and his standards for me. I know my church is in good shape. I know where my family's at. I know I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. If I stumble, I'm getting back up. I'm asking forgiveness. But I know that I haven't done anything wrong that all these people are lying about. And it's just like Nehemiah here. He said, no, you know what? None of that's true. Let's just get back to work. So I don't know if that encourages somebody here today. Maybe you've been lied about or gossiped about or somebody saying things about you, accusing you, false accusations. Look, at at some point, you just gotta stand on the truth. Don't give any ear to the, the lies, the gossip, the slander, the accusations. Know who you are and preach truth to yourself. Wait, Carl, you're a child of God. God's got a calling on your life. He's given you gifts and abilities. You're not who these people say you are. Maybe that's a word for you here today. So not only do you stand on the truth, 
to not get intimidated. But secondly, I think you need to learn to keep your integrity. Keep your integrity. The enemy wants you to sin and discredit yourself. He wants to trip you up. He wants to make you compromise the, the values that you're living by so that you'll fall away from the good work that God has for you. Keep your integrity. Look, look at what happened with Nehemiah in verse 10. It says, later, he's speaking for himself. Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, who we kind of understand was probably a temple priest. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But this guy, Shemaiah, who's a temple priest, he thought he's someone that could be trusted. It says, later, I went to Shemaiah, the, the son of uh, Deliah and the grandson of Mehet, Mehetabel, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. So there's this guy who's a temple priest. He's got a good reputation. He's going, hey, Nehemiah, you got to get over here. Your enemies are after you. Let's run into the temple and shut the doors behind us. It'll keep you safe. Drop down to verse 12, and Nehemiah says, I realized that God had not really spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat, his enemies, had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. You know how he would have sinned? If Nehemiah would have gone into the temple and shut the doors behind him, he would have been violating God's law that only temple priests are allowed inside the temple. Nehemiah was a cupbearer that lived in Persia. He wasn't a priest. He didn't have the spiritual authority that, that God commanded in the Old Testament times to even be allowed inside the temple. So they were trying to trick him into committing sin in order to save himself. He thought it was a good thing, save myself and go hide. But really what was gonna happen is he'd be breaking God's law and then they could accuse him, they could intimidate him, they can get him to sin and he'd fall away from the mission that God had for him. It seemed good to him at the time, but then he realized, wait, this is actually a trip. So here's the word that I see in this one about compromising is that we don't compromise a great work for personal gain. Don't compromise whatever that great work that God has called you to do to change your world around you right now. And don't compromise what you're doing just for the sake of a little bit of personal gain. It may seem good and harmless and not that big of a deal, but you can totally discredit your own integrity. Think about it like this. You're trying to provide for your family. You're trying to keep your job. You're trying to do things. And here comes a, a really quick, get rich, quick scheme. But what it involves is you compromising your values, your morals, and it's a little bit shady. And you're going, well, I'm trying to provide for my family. That's a really great thing. But don't compromise that great work that you're doing simply because a little shady deal on the side over here. Maybe it's you're building a healthy marriage and you're really working on it and you and your spouse are doing really good and you think, well, what, what harm could this do? It's a second look, maybe that second look that kills up towards that coworker of yours or that little flirting or something that could really get out of hand and really cause destruction. Don't compromise in those areas. These are just real things. Maybe you're trying to lose weight and you're working on your diet and you see like, man, that's a really cheap lunch. I'm gonna go for that, $1.50, but it's a Costco $1.50 hot dog and soda. And you know that's a big compromise. I don't know what it might be. It might be something dumb like that, but just be aware. Man, the enemy's gonna throw compromise at you to mess up your integrity as you're chasing after the things of God. And here's the third thing that I, I see in, in getting intimidated by the enemy. You gotta be careful of this, is you just have to flat out decide to never give up. The enemy, he wants you to quit. The greatest thing he could do is to pull you away from the things of God and think of all the good that you're gonna bring about to other people's lives and the blessing you're gonna do to change your world. And if he can get you to stop that, then he won then he takes away the blessing that wasn't just for you, but for all the people that's gonna follow because you stepped up and you did something good. So he wants you to quit. 
So here's the thing, you just gotta decide to never give up. Look what Nehemiah said in, in verse 11. He says, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? In other words, no, I'm not gonna go hide in the temple. Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? And then he just says this with an exclamation point, no, I won't do it. Like, no way, I'm not giving up. I'm deciding right now and I'm telling you, I'm speaking it out loud. God's called me to do a great work. I am not giving up for anything. I think that's so powerful. That's so great. I think that, that we ought to have that same type of, a, of commitment that we just decide that I'm not gonna give up, but then that you should also declare it out loud because when you speak it out loud, you suddenly become accountable for that because your words went out there and someone heard them and you made it accountable. That's what faith is all about is you don't even see, know the outcome. Faith is belief in things unseen and you decide, no, I'm not giving up. And when you declare it out loud, some of you need to declare that to your situation right now, to yourself, to your family, to the enemy, to God. God, I'm not giving up on this thing you've called me to do. Like, I'm not gonna freak out and get scared, coronavirus. Listen, I had a trip to Disneyland planned with my daughter. We were gonna fly from Hawaii up to visit my older two kids, have a week on her spring break, do Disneyland and all that. Well, obviously this is, past week has been spring break and it's been canceled, right? Because we can't get on airplanes and everybody's confined to their house. And so we're all bummed and we want to go to Disneyland and we can't go to Disneyland. And I just spoke in faith to my daughter. I just told her, I said, no, we're going to Disneyland. I don't know when, I don't care how much it's going to cost me to cancel flights, change flight plans, take you out of school another time, go during the summer. But in faith, I'm promising you, we are going to Disneyland. And it may be something as simple as that, but you need to declare it out loud. Just decide, commit to it. I'm not giving up. God called me to do a great work. That's it. I'm not giving up. You tell somebody. Maybe tell somebody in your family right now on the couch you're sitting next to or eating dinner if you're watching this thing, wherever you're at, speak out whatever the plans God's given you and just decide, I'm not giving up, guys. I'm gonna finish strong. It says in, in Nehemiah 6.15, here's how the story ends. Then Nehemiah said, I'm not giving up. And then he says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. And rebuilding this wall was no easy task. 52 days, it's a miracle. Probably should have taken months, if not years. But because Nehemiah set his mind to it, set to finish strong, and God was on his side, it says 52 days after we had begun, the wall was finished. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated because they're going, this shouldn't have been possible. How did they do this thing? Oh no, the Jews have their identity. They've got a wall around their city. They're frightened and humiliated. They realize that this work had been done with the help of God. Nehemiah said this, and this is what we need to speak to ourselves. If God's in this, I'm not giving up. If God's in this, I'm gonna finish strong. I'm not quitting for any reason at all. Yeah, sure, I, I'm, I'm over here. This is what I was thinking in my life. Yeah, sure, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I love what the church does for me, the ministry and all of this. But you know what happens? Coronavirus comes along. Churches are shut down. Nobody can gather together. But I'm going to tell you this. I've made the decision. Clearly, I'm the pastor. But anybody as a Christian that we'd make this decision in spite of coronavirus. Oh, there's no church. There's no correct connect group this week. But we'd still decide this. Well, I'm not going to stop reading my Bible. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop praying to God every single day. I'm gonna, not going to stop worshiping just because I'm not in some, some church building worshiping. I'm going to continue to put worship music on in my car, in my home, watch online. Uh, I'm not going to quit having connect group and meeting with other people. I can do it online. There's Zoom meeting. There's, there's conference calls. There's calling. There's texting. That We're, we're just not going to give up simply because some worldwide pandemic came along. We're not giving up our faith. We're going to stay in this thing to the end. I still give. 
I give online. Like I, there's, there's nothing that needs to change. I still stay connected to my people. I still serve. I'm looking for opportunities to fill bags like this or to, to reach out and pray for people or just to speak life into people. There's all this community stuff that our church is getting involved with. Today, I heard on staff, all this community outreach that we're gonna try to do to meet needs in our church, people with food, with products that they need, resourcing. Man, I can't wait to still be involved. And what I want you to know and what the message I'm trying to say here today we learned from Nehemiah is you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. You can still finish strong. Um, if God calls you to fight, then finish strong or go down swinging. Decide not to give up. Wherever God guides, God provides. If God leads you to it, he's gonna lead you through it. Now, I don't want to look back at this time months from now, years from now, and remember coronavirus and remember where I was and what was going on. I don't wanna be the guy that just hid away with my toilet paper and my hand sanitizer, and all my spam, and my, you know, whatever it is that I have. I don't want to be the one that said, well, at least I caught up in every show and series on Netflix that ever existed. I want to be the one that said, nah, you know what? I kept holding out for, for faith and for God, and I shone, shined, shone, one of those words. I shined brightly for Jesus in spite of the circumstances that I was in. I reached out to people. I loved on the world around me, and I stood strong, and I finished strong through coronavirus, and I can be proud to say that I weathered that storm with faith, with hope in God, and with love for people in this world. So I hope that you've been inspired here today just to finish strong. And if, man, unless God calls you out of it, if he said, hey, I want you to go fight for something, then you just decide, I'm gonna finish strong or go down swinging. Can we pray right now? Lord, I just pray, Father God, for everybody within the sound of my voice, whether on podcast or video or live stream or whatever, Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would stand strong, that, Lord, this is our golden opportunity. This is our moment as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, for us to step up and to shine brighter as the darkness grows. Father God, I pray that whatever it is that you put on all of our hearts that we need to do to impact the world around us in our families, our workplaces, in the community, Lord, just because we're not allowed to see each other face-to-face -face doesn't mean we can't encourage one another, we can't pray for one another, one another, we can't resource one another in the ways that are, the creative new ways that are available to us. Father, I pray right now just for us to, to not lose our joy, not lose our sense of peace, but Lord, that our confidence would be built even stronger in you and who you are and your Holy Spirit inside of us. Lord, help us, like Nehemiah did, to just decide to finish strong and to be a blessing to the world around him. I pray right now that possibly there's somebody that's within the sound of my voice and you're listening to this message and you're not even sure where you stand with Jesus. Maybe today you're just kind of like, I don't know where I'm at with God, but I need him in my life. And if that's you here today, I wanna say a quick prayer with you just to make relationship with God a reality. And so I'm just gonna lead you in a simple prayer and I'm just gonna ask that you would follow along with me in your heart, wherever you're at, at the sound of my voice on the other end of this message right now, that you would just pray this prayer, maybe under your breath, maybe out loud. You just pray this with me and it would connect you with God. Just kind of follow along the words that I'm saying. God, I'm here today and I need you in my life. Lord, I like what I hear about having strength and faith and being able to finish tasks and change the world around me. I know I can't do that without your help. And Lord, I wanna make sure that I'm made right with you. There's a lot of chaos and confusion in the world around me and, and lives are being lost and people are getting sick. And Lord, I just need to know where I stand with you. So I'm telling you, God, from this moment on, in this message, Lord, I have been stirred to give my life to you, to follow you. And Lord, I'm just letting you know that from here on out, I'm gonna follow you. 
whatever it takes to read my Bible, to pray, to get to know you, to watch services online. Lord, I need you in my life. I wanna know for a fact that I'm saved and that I'm forgiven. Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and my separation from God. And I received that free gift of salvation, that he died for my sin and then he rose again to prove that he has victory over all of my sin and shame and separation from you. So Lord, if I would just pray this prayer and give you control of my life, and allow you to be my God, and I say yes to all the plans you have for me. Lord, I believe that I'm saved, that I'm forgiven, and I'm living for for you every day of my life until I see you face to face in heaven someday. Thank you for being my God, and for leading my life, and for making changes so that I can change my world. In Jesus' name we say, amen. God bless you guys.